everybody. Happy Thursday morning. Welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Daily. This is Bill Landis, joined by Austin Ward, and we are very pleased to have a special guest with us to talk about Ohio State versus Penn State this Saturday in State College, Pennsylvania. It's Audrey Snyder of The Athletic. Audrey, welcome to the podcast. Dollar B. Good to hear that voice. I mean, to see your face. Austin, nice to see you as well, but really, I'm, I'm here for Bill. We, we know a headline yeah. from this one. That's right. I'm only here as a supporting act for this particular show, <laughs> and I wouldn't try to interfere between the two. I just will say that it is special to have Audrey on the podcast with us because she's one of the uh, only people from the Penn State beat that I've ever communicated with, but that's because she's the only one who can participate in road beers at a level that I respect. So she's always had uh, full appreciation from here, and she covers the team well. I don't really care that much about that. But uh, it's not the road beers stuff. Yeah, we, we get it. I mean, if, if I have to go to Indiana like three or four times a year, we've got to have the have the beers lined up. And like I told Bill earlier, I said, you guys are more than welcome to come to my house Friday for my Halloween party, have some road beers here. But he told me you guys have other more responsible plans. I don't know about responsible, but we do. Yeah, have, we yeah. are trying to see what what old Bedford has to offer us and we will partake there. Yeah, I don't even know if they have like craft beers there, to be honest. I, I've never been to Bedford, Pennsylvania. <laughs> I, I hope they're not a sponsor of anything here because I don't, I've, I've yeah. never, never been. <laughs> they did. The, the, the town contacted us to be a sponsor of the podcast. We said, no, thank you. <laughs> we said, ah, we got to drive past through here anyway. Yeah, screw them. Yeah. But yeah, yeah so. I, I hope you guys uh, enjoy, enjoy your stay in Bedford. And Bill, you missed homecoming at Penn State by a week. I know. Well, you know. I'll talk to the AD, see if we can roll out a red carpet for you. Yeah, I've I, I've I've not been there for a homecoming game since I graduated, so uh, they need to rework that schedule. Make sure I can get there, and then make me the the whatever they call it, the grand marshal. Is that what they call it of the homecoming? Uh, yeah. party? That that's well, yeah, I need they, I need that role. They really, they messed it up last week because it was homecoming and the whiteout, and a night game, of course, too. So like all of that, like last week was just a whole thing. Um, I think the people are going to be like spent by the time Saturday gets here at noon. Um, I, th- I saw a thing today. Parking lots are opening at six. So like, hmm. I don't know what kind of wasteland we might be stepping into. <laughs> at noon. I, I'm unclear on that, but. Well, Wait, that uh, seems that like is the perfect a... way to get into it. Yeah. 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 Cause I am, I, I don't know. Austin, every time you've been to Beaver Stadium, it's been a night game, right? That is correct. And I have not enjoyed my visits to Beaver Stadium and its luxurious press box. You can Audrey, say what, it's a dump. You're, you're welcome it, to say it, it. It's uh, definitely it's definitely a dump. But what uh, what are what are the Buckeyes in store for, and what are maybe any fans who might be traveling to State College in store for with a, a noon kick in Ohio or in, in Beaver Stadium, excuse me, as opposed to an 8 p.m. raucous whiteout kick. Yeah, I come bearing bad news because noon, and this is for you guys too, noon brings the worst traffic. Like, mm, it good. is because everybody's getting there at the same time, uh, or at least like the night game, you can kind of stagger your arrivals. Um, so, I like Penn State sent out a thing today where they're like, hey, between like nine and noon, expect heavier than usual activity. And like, usually it's really bad. So, I'm kind of fearful what that means for us. Um, in terms of getting there, my 10 minute drive might, might turn into an hour. I hope not. Um, but it's certainly, it's happened like that before. So like Ohio state fans, if you're planning to get there, 
brace yourselves because it's gonna take a while. Um, like literally, and like you guys know this. I mean, Ohio State can tailgate with the best of them. I've been to the Horseshoe plenty of times. I've I've seen the packets of cigarettes in the parking garage on my way out, <laughs> and and you know some some clear yellow substances in, in water bottles that we we surely know what that is. Um, but like people will show up. They will line up to tailgate at six six thirty before the lots even open. Um, so I have that in mind, but I do think the crowd's going to be juiced despite last week being like the big one. I mean, this is, this is the stretch for Penn state. As you guys know, it's always the measuring stick. It's like, all right, got the crap kicked out of you by Michigan. You come home, rebound in the best way possible against Minnesota. And now, oh yeah, here comes that team that you're always trying to compare yourself to. So the fans will be jacked up for it, um, for sure. But yeah, I think. Ohio State lucks out that they're not getting the white out. And, of course, last time they were here was that weird 2020 COVID season where it was like no one's here to see the game, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Audrey, before we start talking about actual football stuff, though, like this James Franklin-Jim Harbaugh feud, not one that I ever anticipated popping up, but I'm certainly enamored by it uh, from just a fan of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Two Two guys who are just so strange with the way they handle the media. I'm glad that I don't have to be in covering the day-to-day, but did how has uh, Penn State responded to that? I'm sure I'm sure they thought it was entirely off of their radar and then jump Harbaugh pops, pops back up on Monday. What has it been like there in Happy Valley? Well, as is always the case around here, um, the awkward moment happens and I have the microphone in my hand to go next. <laughs> so James Franklin gets asked on Tuesday his response to Jim Harbaugh, which Harbaugh said on Monday, which was Penn State's off day, that Franklin was the quote unquote ringleader of this tunnel fiasco. And I don't know, I saw the video where Franklin said some some salty words, but there was like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich flying through the air and I was distracted by that in the video. <laughs> Um, like to me, it wasn't like the James, you know, what he said, it was just like, okay, like teams can't get it. Like, I understand the logistics. It's a challenge, but literally like, let's not reinvent the wheel here. Everyone has dealt with this at the horseshoe, right? It's like, everybody gets the pink locker room at Iowa. Um, (laughs) I mean, I don't know, like, look at Penn state, they're visiting accommodations. It's terrible, right? Like a lot of these teams, the visiting areas are rough. Um, I guess there you just have to, everybody has to go through the same tunnel, which is weird. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, so James Franklin's comment, he was asked by Neil Rudell of the Altoona Mirror, if he had a comment, which I am a fan of bad puns and Neil gets my sense of humor. So Neil led his question to James Franklin with, James, uh, I know I have tunnel vision, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm sitting there with a mic in my hand dying but i'm like i have the next question so like keep it together you know um so franklin's like i don't have a comment and then like there's just this awkward pause and they go to me and i was like well like is that it like is there neil like did you have another question or he didn't um so i probably made the moment more awkward than it was but yeah that that's our new feud um you know you've got penn state with the iowa situation last year where the fans the whole injury gate and the you know james franklin had to respond to that saying they were faking injuries um, we now have this. This week always brings up the great not yet elite rant from four mm-hmm. years ago with James Franklin. Mm-hmm. So really, it's just been a it's been a great time. Been a really really great week, and we got the 2023 football schedule released on top of it. Yeah, Pat Craft, the AD there, was not happy that they're starting on the uh, on the road again, right? 
Yeah, no, I texted him and I said, hey, I hear champagne in September is a really nice time. <laughs> uh, uh, luckily, he gets my sense of humor. Uh, but yeah, no, this is Penn State's eighth consecutive year going to be opening up on the road. Um, the bye week for the Nittany Lions will shift for a week. So somewhere someone's wedding is going to get torpedoed again by this mm. ever-changing schedule. But yeah, it, it's just been one thing after the next. Um, but the crazy thing is I looked at the, the schedule for next year, and I believe Penn State, Ohio State is somewhere around like the October 21st. So yeah, it's a week earlier. Next year at this same time, we're going to be talking about the same thing, which That's right. Well, nice. do you think at this time next year that will, will Penn State finally be elite? Like where, where are they on the journey <laughs> to get from great Ooh. to elite? Oh, the great not yet elite skill. Uh, so James Franklin was asked a couple of variations of that this week. Um, I asked him one of those variations. It did not go very far, um, you know, because my question was more so with regards to facilities, because I think that was part of the rant, right? Like that was part of that pent up aggression of, hey, you lost two years in a row by one point each time. Um, that's an area where they still have strides to make. Uh, they've got this new expanded weight room but it's not good enough, right? Like everything we always hear with their facility, it's not nice enough because they fall behind during the Paterno era. They didn't update things. So they point to places like Ohio State um, as kind of like that that shining example, right? Um, on the scale of great, not yet elite, um, they haven't gotten any closer to it. I mean, if anything, they're farther away from it than they were four years ago, which is what makes the comment at the time so damning when you, when you revisit it because this is now coming off of you just got it handed to you by Michigan a couple weeks ago. And the comment that stood out to me after that game was what I asked James Franklin. And I was basically like, you know, this is a league built around your play in the trenches. Like, how does this keep happening year after year? Um, especially like with the Michigans, with the Ohio States of the world. And his response, I thought, was strikingly honest, um, but also weird. Because he said he's like, yeah, we have to get bigger up front. Like we've, it's, it's developing, it's recruitment, it's all of it. And I was like, but dude, you've been here for nine years. Like you can't, <laughs> you can say that, but also like, you, you know, you're recruiting these players. Like I just, I think it also goes back to, and it's something I'm writing about this week on the athletic is like certain teams, Penn state has matched up better with over time. Ohio state is one of those. Michigan has not been one of those. We saw it last year with Penn state and Illinois, just kind of like those big girthy big 10 lines they've really had trouble with. And I just don't think they're built for that style of play, um, which Franklin says they want to be bigger on, on both trenches. And it's like, well, all right, like, is this a nine year case study? Is this like, <laughs> like, I, I don't really know kind of how to, how to take that. So, you know, in terms of the elite metric, it's like, ah, you know, you're not there. Yeah. You'd certainly benefit from an expanded college football playoff. Um, but yeah, to me, that Michigan loss was just so damning and how it happened that it's like, all right, you're kind of, all that said, you still have a shot at making a New Year's Six Bowl game, so who knows, right? But yeah, I don't, I don't think they'll be any closer in the next year, although Bill, the guy that's very familiar to Ohio State fans, Drew Aller, the quarterback, um, everybody wants to see Drew. Sean Clifford got booed during pregame introductions last week, so it's really, it's, it's a whole thing around here. Yeah, Audrey, I was going to ask about the quarterback situation because obviously, I mean, we once dealt with this covering Ohio State that JT Barrett had been productive and a great captain and leader for so long, and yet the longer you're around, the more people question whether that ceiling is going to be reached or they're able to know what all the flaws are for those quarterbacks who 
who start for three, four years. So obviously Sean Clifford has reached that zone. Like it doesn't seem like James Franklin has any real interest in letting Penn State fans get a look at Drew Aller, barring injury. No, I think you're exactly right. And that's kind of the, the maddening part for the fan base. It's like, you know, now I will say to to his credit, they've been able to get Drew into games. And that's been something that we didn't see. I mean, you go back last year with Ta- Taquan Roberson, the backup. Kid hadn't played at all ever. They get to Iowa. It's like, oh, crap, Sean's hurt. Go in there. And the player, like, they couldn't even hear his cadence. It was that bad. Um, now, they didn't, obviously, in practice, they didn't see this coming, but they learned a lot from that situation. And so they have rectified it with Drew and that they've been able to get him in games. You saw him go in the Purdue game week one when Clifford gets hurt. Looks really good in that series. And that's kind of what, what the fans are like driving off of. It's like, hey, you know, Michigan, things aren't going well. Like, put Drew in. Maybe he can mm-hmm. spark something. Maybe he can't. But it's like they are living with that mystery right now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think for Penn State to get to back to Bill's point to that elite level, it's going to have to be in the coming years, and it's going to have to be with Drew Aller, with last year's recruiting class. I mean, they've already had, and I should know this because I read it several times this week, but they've had seven or nine kids already burn red shirts this year, which is an uptick after Penn State only had two guys do that last year. Um, so, I mean, they're definitely trending in a younger direction. But, yeah, it's like you have the sixth-year quarterback. Everybody knows he is what he is. He's going to make some of those maddening interceptions that you're just like, oh, my God, I can't believe he just threw that. Uh, but then you point back to the Purdue game where he has that, that two-minute drill, and you're like, all right, this is the guy. And, I mean, he's coming off of that Minnesota game, um, was as good as he's ever looked. So I, I still don't know what to make of the guy because it's just it's been such a weird career, such an erratic career. Um and yet he's had like four different offensive coordinators too. So, so that's always part of it. Yeah. I think, uh, I think another way that Penn state could go from great to elite is if like, say for example, there was like a five-star receiver who was like the number one player in the country at his position from like 90 Ooh. minutes away from campus. And like, they this got that guy, they got that guy to go there. Like mm-hmm. if that, if that happened, Audrey, just a hypothetical, <laughs> yeah. if that player yeah. existed and they did yeah. and they got him, like that would help too. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that would help, Bill, because I think it's the whole thing, right? The, the best in PA stay in PA, unless your name is Julian Fleming, and then you're getting out. Um, or if you're, you know, I, you can look at the guys from St. Joe's Prep. They've had that place um, pretty much. That's been that's been theirs, too, for Ohio State. Yeah, what's um what's what's going on, Mr. Fleming? Oh, he just scores touchdowns, like, every, every game he plays. Um, yeah. I am, like, I am very, very interested in, to see Julian Fleming in Beaver Stadium on Saturday, because uh, I think he'll probably score, because that's just sort of what he does. Um, and there, I I want to see what the reaction in that stadium is is when it happens, because the last time uh, he was, I guess, and well, he was on the team the last few times they played, but I don't think he played very much. But I can't get the image of him uh, in the Ohio versus the World hoodie out of my head. And back in 2019, when Penn State came to Columbus and Julian was on his official visit. Yeah. But um, something remember, that I'm sure still stings Penn State fans. I remember weaving around the sideline that day during pregame and seeing that and like cutting in front of all these recruits of like, no, I need this photo. Like, back away, you know? <laughs> um, knowing I was going to set the, the Twitter verse and also Ari Wasserman ablaze with that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, and that's kind of the thing, right? It's like, Ohio State has had their pick of Pennsylvania players for the most part. 
Now, you're always going to get some of these situational cases, and Penn State has one of those with Nick Singleton, where it's like, all right, Gatorade Player of the Year, five-star running back, comes to Penn State, picks Penn State over Notre Dame. A large part of that being he's, you know, three hours away or two and a half hours. His family can get up here and see him all the time. Like, the family told him point blank, like, we're not going to be at Notre Dame every week, right? Like, so you're always going to get some of those guys. Um, Singleton has very much looked to the real deal. You'll see a heavy dose of him on Saturday. Uh, he's been their starting running back. They pretty much have, have split reps with he and fellow freshman Katron Allen uh, from IMG Academy. They've pretty much been like a 50-50 split. But, yeah, I mean, it goes back to weeks like this. You think of the Flemings of the world, the St. Joe's prep guys of the world. Um, and then if you're Penn State, you say, oh, hey, we can counter that with the five-star quarterback who's standing on the sideline who you probably will see, <laughs> definitely will see next year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that's what makes this game so much fun, too, is because these recruiting ramifications have been so prevalent uh, and so important. I think what's what's fascinating to me about that is, like, James Franklin has not been unsuccessful in recruiting. Mm -hmm. And and if you're putting Marvin Harrison or Julian Fleming on the Penn State roster, yes, they would be better, but they're not they haven't suffered from a lack of skill position players. Yes. And you alluded to this earlier, Audrey, like they just this defensive line I don't think is very good for Penn State based on just mm -hmm. the little I've seen, but the offensive line has been bad for a very long time. So like that seems to be the more pressing issue. Yeah. From an entertainment spot, you know, yeah, let's see Julian Fleming get a reaction in Beaver Stadium. From a beating Ohio State perspective, I think it clearly is in the lines. And Ohio State's this year are much better than they, they've actually been the last several years. Yeah, it's that play in the trenches. And that's where, and you're exactly right, Austin. I mean, they have, and again, Penn State by and large has recruited extremely well, which it always pales in comparison because of Ohio State. So it's like you always look at the Big Ten rankings and you're like, Okay, yeah, but you're still chasing them. Yeah, um, right. And, but yeah, no, your, your point is exactly right with the trenches. And like for Penn State, that's why a guy like a Nolan Rucci who goes to Wisconsin a couple cycles ago, that's why it's such a big loss because it's like, hey, here's your here's your premier offensive lineman in the state and he goes to Wisconsin. And oh, yeah, by the way, dad played here, the family had season tickets and you still don't land that kid. Like that's where things have to change for Penn State in the trenches. And like it's – the offensive line is better this year. Um, however, and we're, we'll see practice uh, Wednesday night. Who knows what we'll see? Maybe they'll trot out some guys who are hurt and take away their non-contact jerseys. You never know. Got, got to keep them guessing, right? Like literally yeah. last week, you know, the big thing was Sean Clifford's health when we were there. And I kid you not, we were there for eight minutes. And for four of those minutes, Clifford was in the bathroom. <laughs> and it was like right when they were starting to throw passes. And so I said, to, again, it's the only female on the beat. I said to the males, like, yo, somebody go in the bathroom and find out. Like, is he okay? Is he hiding in there? Like, I can't go in there. Um, <laughs> one took me up on it. So, but literally as soon as we left, Sean came out of the bathroom. Um, on our beat, there would have been 10 people in the bathroom going to check that <laughs> yeah, out. That's right? right? Like, I mean, I was like, this is like, come on, prime opportunity. Um, but nobody, nobody, you know, decided to go. So I just was standing there wondering for the rest of the week about the quarterback's health because nobody would go to the bathroom. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the, like, that's the stuff where with this offensive line this week, we saw some injuries in the game Saturday and I don't know where they stand with that because their left guard Landon Tangwall 
literally got hurt warming up for the Michigan game and hasn't played in the last two weeks. He didn't even warm up this past week. So it's unclear if you're going to see him. And then their right guard, Sal Wormley, um, got hurt during the Minnesota game, didn't come back. Right tackle Caden Wallace got hurt during the game. So I don't know what they're going to have going on on that front five. And, and it's again, it's been better this year. But it's still it's it's not an elite line. Their left tackle, um, Olu Fashion, who's been really really good, which is fascinating because you look at this line and he's like the lowest rated recruit, former three star guy, um, and he's somebody like Dane Brugler's pegged him as a you know future first round draft pick, which has been really interesting. Um, but I don't know. It just kind of goes to show you maybe sometimes all the stars don't matter up front. Um, but, uh, <laughs> That'd be an interesting podcast. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear some people are, are kind of big on that theory. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, the offensive line's been better. But to Austin, to your point about the defensive line, I'm with you. Um, to me, this defensive line has been underwhelming this year. Uh, like there isn't, if you're Ohio State and you're game planning, I don't think there's somebody on that Penn State defensive line that scares you. Um, PJ Mustafer, he'd probably be as close to the have that he's a force. Um, he, you know, blew out his knee last year against Iowa is probably just now getting back to like a hundred percent. Like he told us pretty candidly a few weeks ago that he was close, but he wasn't there yet. Um, so that's probably the guy, but like defensive end chop Robinson, we didn't see him, um, last week, presumably because of injury, he didn't even warm up. So are you going to have him? He's been getting a starters like level of reps despite rotating in for Nick Tarburton. So yeah, to me, the defensive line, uh, the sack numbers aren't there, which like obviously not always the best indicator, but yeah, they're, they're kind of, there's not someone who, who I would say like really, really scares you or can take a game over. I think, I think maybe that guy might exist in Penn State secondary though, though right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think Marvin Harrison Jr., who I'm assuming we'll see a lot of Joey Porter Jr., uh, is going to be one of the more compelling one-on-one matchups like in college football this season. Those are two future first-round picks. They're both gigantic athletes. Um, I don't think they – I looked this up. I don't think they ever played against each other in high school. Um, I thought maybe they would have, but they haven't. But I, I guess like t- – Eastern, how well- Western PA match. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, how well has Joey played this year? And And I guess maybe more generally – when you look at this matchup of Penn State's secondary against Ohio State's receivers, how do you size that up? Because I feel like a lot of weeks, most opponents will just look at Ohio State's receivers and say, like, well, what are we supposed to do with that? Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think Penn State is maybe a little better situation to, to deal situated to deal with it. Yeah, the secondary for Penn State, like, this is their strength. And Joey Porter is that number one guy that shut down corner. Really, like, the only the, – the interesting thing that we saw this year was that – Purdue targeted the crap out of them. And it was kind of like, what are you doing? But I think it was also Purdue being like, hey, we're going to throw the ball around. And so, like, just so happens we keep throwing it, Joey. Like, weird, baffling strategy um, did not work out too well for them. But, like, that's – I mean, the thing that's so crazy with Porter is, like, he's got those long, rangy arms. Like, just his build is crazy impressive um, because it's so unusual. And yeah, he's, he's been every bit of that, that shut down big time corner. Uh, Bill, as a noted Penn State alumnus, um, fun fact here that I can share with you, uh, Penn State has never had a cornerback selected in the first round of an NFL draft. Isn't that nuts? That is nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So, and so Joey like (laughs) has the chance to be that guy to break the streak, uh, which, which is pretty insane. 
So yeah, he, he's been really, really good. Um, the other thing is their safety, Jair Brown, has also been really, really, really solid back there. Um, now, the challenge with this defense or the, the problem with this defense has been the linebacking core. Um, that was kind of the weakness going into the year. We saw them last week. They changed their starting lineup. They put freshman Abdul Carter out there. Philadelphia guy, Bill. Name should, should right. sound a little familiar for LaSalle you. South High School. Yeah, he, yep. he camped here last summer, yeah. Go yeah, Birds. and he's like he looks every much of like a big-time linebacker in the making. Um, but, you know, as James Franklin said, he's like, yeah, we rolled out three box linebackers because, like, we knew Minnesota was going to run the ball at us a million times. But, like, they can't do that every week, which also kind of raises the question of, well, why didn't you do that the week before against Michigan? <laughs> Interesting, right? Like interesting strategy. Um, but you, I guess you, they wanted to give up 400 yards rushing to Michigan. That, that 418 was all part of the plan, Austin. You, you got to rally back, roar back louder, right? That's right. Um, it's all about how you respond um, after they got hit in the mouth repeatedly. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's just like kind of the interesting thing is like you've got this crazy good secondary, but what you have in front of it's been a little bit interesting um jonathan sutherland's that hybrid outside linebacker who was a safety last year that's like the weak link of of this defense um and so we've seen at times this year a good bit they've gone to what they call their prowler package where they'll they'll put seven defensive backs on the field and like jair brown will move into the box like it looks absolutely ridiculous from the press box um but but they've done that And, and so i think like you've got good corner play um, and you've got this star out there. So like they are, I think, really well positioned to handle these receivers. But can you do anything to make CJ Stroud uncomfortable? And that's where I'm just not so sure they can. I was going to say that you don't have to make a prediction, Audrey. I was going to ask what the clearest path to victory for Penn State might be. But you've already comprehensively oh, Ohio covered State that. Is stuck in Altoona. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to hang out in Bedford and go drink at the old Bedford Brewing Company with us. That's maybe the only thing. Yeah, they. Um, I was going to say, they're, they're one of the teams that actually does not stay, to my knowledge, does not stay in State College the night before the game. They had had difficulties. So it's funny because so two years ago was the only time that I've ever got to stay in State College for a game because no one was traveling there. And oh, yeah, the Ohio State, Ohio State did stay there two years ago. That new There was a newer hotel sort of like convention centery place. Um, okay. They don't outside. like our old hotels here. That's they did not like the they did not like the old setup. And so the I think Ramada, they were yeah. yeah. I think the they were trying money. to to get that again this year. Not sure what the likelihood of that was now that the world is back uh to more normalcy. But yeah, it it is a more challenging place, not just for the media, but for teams to handle as well. Yeah, it's a mess. I mean, it's just like there aren't enough hotels here. And so it's kind of like, and I think people like for me, it's like when you go to Columbus, it's like, okay, cool. I have a million places I can stay. I can go over here. It's very, very centralized. Um, But yeah, so so path to upset Austin, unless, you know, the Buckeyes don't make, don't make it here for some reason that, you know, bus tires stall out or some break, you know, something like that. Um, well, assuming they get to the stadium Saturday, no traffic issues like you and I. Yeah. Um, I mean, Penn State's going to have to steal some possessions. Like, to me, that's – and that's something that this defense has been really good at. You know, Manny Diaz is the defensive coordinator. Penn State does not have a turnover chain, um, <laughs> fortunately, unfortunately. But uh, they've been really good at it. I mean, like, they've – earlier – I think, gosh, I think it was maybe three weeks into the season – 
maybe it was four weeks, they had the same number of pass breakups or very similar that they had to all of last year. Um, so like they were leading the nation out of the gate uh, in that category. So they've been really good with that. Again, they got the pick six at the big house. I mean, literally like crazy. I don't know if you guys caught the replay, but like bounced off two guys, hit off Mustafer's head and Curtis yeah. Jacobs returns it. Um, you're going to need some of those crazy fluke plays. I just don't think they're going to get enough of them. I, I just struggle to see a path that, that Penn State pulls this upset against the, the seemingly unstoppable machine in Columbus. Um, I, my pick is is somewhere along the lines of Ohio State by 14 plus. That's what our, it's kind of where I'm leaning. Um, but crazier things have happened here once before. Um, <laughs> but you, you never know. Am I, am I terribly off base? Your your well, score margin is, is is higher than mine, uh, but Austin, I don't know what Austin's is probably a touchdown or two more. I would I would think Bill and Bill and Berm have spent the entire week trying to tell me that Penn State has the formula, uh, and and I understand. I've seen these games be close. I've seen the upset happen, and I know that Penn State has recruited enough athletes more so than almost anyone else in the league to make it close. But I've also seen just complete. Mental collapses from James Franklin, and I think that this Ohio State team. And you made a point earlier, Audrey, about the lines that I that really caught my attention. I think part of the reason that for several years these games stayed closer was that Ohio State was so intent on spreading the field, and then Michigan would call them finesse teams. Like yeah. it seemed to better favor Penn State. This team seems for Ohio State more willing to just line up and run the football at Penn State. You know, they didn't have success with that last week against Iowa, but I think it's all been geared towards these bigger opportunities. Uh, Penn State, Michigan at the end of next month, and this offensive line is playing much better, and the defensive line has struggled uh, by Ohio State standards for the last two years. I think that they will be able to generate enough pressure on both, you know, handle any Penn State pressure uh, with their offensive line and generate it with their front four that, like, that might negate some of the things that Penn State was able to take advantage of in the past. And I just I don't think it'll be close. I I, I tend to agree with you and I'm glad that you're on my side so that I can say that <laughs> to Bill and Berm for the next couple of days. Yeah, Bill, what's the what's this upset recipe you have? What is it so I can I can share it's, it with James later It's not it's not an upset <laughs> recipe. Like I'm not picking Penn State to win. I'm just picking it to be closer because it normally is. And I think yeah. it does I think a close a close Ohio State win includes something like a Penn State special teams touchdown or a Penn State defensive touchdown. Like weird things happen in these games. There was obviously the blocked field goal in, in twenty sixteen. I didn't have a Saquon, score on the bingo card that day. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, Saquon Barkley returned a kick for a touchdown in seventeen. Ohio State had a scoop and score last year. Like just weird stuff happens. Um, so maybe all the weird stuff will happen to Penn State and not for Penn State and Ohio State will win by a million. Like I, that's definitely <laughs> on the table. If Ohio State shows off the Beaver Stadium and is like, you know what, we're going to run it 30 times. We're going to rush for 400 yards just like Michigan did. I think they're perfectly capable of doing that. Uh, well, I, I don't I don't know if they're going to, though. And that's what kind of blew my mind with Michigan, but then like also not because it's Jim Harbaugh. Like I'm sitting there in the press box in like the second quarter and I'm like, all right, they're just going to run the ball the rest of the day and like have their way with Penn State. And then it's like, oh, nope, here's a pass. Like, oh, McCarthy almost gets picked off. It's just like, just run the ball. And right. that's maybe I think where, where this Ohio State run game, I don't think necessarily around here, I don't think we've been as focused on that because everything's been the receiving core, the receiving core. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think like Travion Henderson can go off, right? Like this could very much be one of the one of those games too. 
Yeah. Assuming, well, they're not going to have the grass cut too long, right? Like these guys will be able to run through it. You know, Bill, I, I, I haven't gotten a grounds crew report yet this week. <laughs> I, I'll have to do some asking around on the grass blades. How long would it, what's the ideal length? What's the, what should I You'll have to check. You'll have to check with Northwestern. They like to get it to five, oh, six yeah. inches out there. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that's the only, the only way. Um, yeah. So yeah, just go check on that. Find Find the statue that's tucked around that stadium somewhere and <laughs> then check the yes. grass at the same closet time. closet somewhere. I'll tell you, they were, it was kind of funny to watch um, Saturday night. You know, late night, we're up there working, and the grounds crew people are out there already, like, sprinkling stuff on the field. And I was like, oh, yeah, they got to get this game ready, you know, for another week. Um, but, yeah, I, I I just I don't see them keeping it close. But, Bill, to your point, we've seen some crazy things around here uh, with these two teams. I remember – your esteemed, my esteemed colleague, your esteemed for, former colleague, Ari Wasserman, telling me in the Ohio State press box at halftime of the game when Barkley returned the kick for a touchdown, wow, Audrey, have a great time at the Rose Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Ohio State comes back uh, to win. That sounds was, so unlike him. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't at the Rose Bowl that year. Thanks, Ari. <laughs> no, if I recall correctly, Ohio State ended up winning that game. Uh, yeah. Went to the Cotton Bowl, though, not the Rose Bowl. Um no, it'll be. I think it'll be a compelling game. I I don't think Austin and I are looking forward to the uh, logistical nightmare of traveling to uh, Fair State College, Pennsylvania. But uh, once we get there, I'm sure it'll be a great uh, afternoon of football in Beaver Stadium. That game is Saturday noon. It's on Fox. Audrey Snyder, thank you so much for joining us, providing us with some insight on Penn State. Uh, make sure you guys keep it tuned in to the podcast later on on Thursday. We'll have the Ryan Day Lightning Round and then bold predictions for the game coming up on Friday morning. For Austin and Audrey, I'm Bill. We'll talk to you then.